A boitem blank for breakfast with banana stuffed in his ears. Mum said, Are you alright? But the boy said nothing. Meet Finn. Finn is my three-year-old son, and this is the sound of him reading one of his favourite stories to his five-month-old baby sister, Gino, who stares back at him in awe, letting out the occasional gurgle of appreciation. And then the brother said, Hey, you have banana stuff in your ears. I use the term reading loosely, of course. It will be a few years before he can decode the letters on the page. But in the meantime, he has committed this story to memory, and is keen to share his love of a good book with his little sister. And the little boy shouted back, Sorry, I can't hear, I have bananas stuck in my ear. <laughs> we are told as parents we should be reading to our children from the word go. Our own government web pages list tips for reading to a baby. But why is reading so important for our children? How can we assist our children in learning to read themselves and encourage their reading habit as they develop into teens and young adults? We will be diving into these and many other issues in this episode of the Parentline podcast. So, on with the show. Welcome to the Parentline podcast, where we discuss the joys and challenges of modern parenting and explore how we as parents can give our children the best start in life. Literacy, the ability to understand and communicate with written word, has long been one of the foundational pillars of our education system. Almost as soon as children enter primary school, they are presented with phonics and taught how to sound out words on the page. Our schools assess reading ability at several points in a child's educational journey, and in some classrooms children are split into groups based on this. Research has shown that if a child learns to read well, they have an increased likelihood of getting the most out of their education and will stick with it for longer. But is that the only reason why reading with our children is so important for us as parents? Or is there another side to reading that perhaps far outweighs the educational benefits? I asked Lucy Lewis from Book Trust to tell me more. I mean, I suppose that's what people automatically look for when you're talking about books and reading. It's automatically about those developmental attainment levels and about education. And yes, absolutely, it's true that, you know, reading does have benefits there. It's about, you know, learning that vocabulary and and those language things. But reading is about so much more. Sharing books and rhyme as early as possible has, you know, great benefits in those early years. Attachment and bonding for families, you know, snuggling up together in bed or on the sofa and sharing a story is a really special time for families to be able to to share and have that quality time together. Reading together is also a really great chance for children to be able to just open up and, and share maybe a little bit about what it is that they're feeling and sometimes in a really safe way maybe it's you know the character in a book's going through something that they're maybe worried about and they're able to talk about you know the experiences of that character and it's helping them to understand the lives and challenges of other families and other lives and other worlds that they might not get to see reflected in their own lives as well so reading just opens up a whole lot of different worlds and things that can sometimes only be possible for a book especially during lockdown when we're we're sitting at home at the moment It's great to be able to escape into a book at the moment. 
Book Trust is the UK's largest reading charity and they reach 3.9 million children each year with books, resources and support to help develop a love of reading. One of their flagship programmes in Northern Ireland, Bookstart Baby, ensures that it's never too early to read to your child. Part funded by the Department of Education, they provide a baby bag full of books for every child born in Northern Ireland. Their website is packed full of brilliant reading resources with one of the highlights being the Home Time Hub, a new section they created in lockdown to help children and families access all sorts of helpful resources when schools and libraries were closed. There are loads of different stories and rhyme times. We've got draw-alongs, we've got writing workshops, we've got some really good book suggestions for anybody that's just thinking about what their next read's going to be, quizzes and games and competitions and everything like that. We even have our UK Children's Laureate, Cressida Coyle, is currently reading um, through some of her books and she's in the middle of How to Ride a Dragon Storm. So you can have somebody read to you and you can just sit back and relax and enjoy that. We also had the great opportunity to work with some local authors and illustrators so if you go to the Northern Ireland pages of the website we've been having to work with Sophie Kirtley with her new book The The Wild Way Home and some of our wonderful illustrators as well like Paul Hard teaching us all how to draw Plop the Oil from The Oil He Was Afraid of the Dark so yeah I mean I think a lot of people have gone online and there's been wonderful resources and opportunities there. Of course, not every family has the same access to online resources. So Book Trust sent out over 20,000 packs over lockdown to disadvantaged families through Sure Starts, food banks and other outlets to ensure that no one was left without books to read to their children during the pandemic. In the light of the moon, a little egg lay on a leaf. On Sunday morning, the warm sun came up and pop! Out of the egg came a tiny and very hungry caterpillar. The Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carle was written over 50 years ago. It was read to me as a child. I've read it to my kids. And I like to think it'll be entertaining kids for generations to come. Then he nibbled a hole in the cocoon and pushed his way out. He was a beautiful butterfly. As I read classic books like this to my children, I often think back to my childhood and my experiences of being read to. Hello. Hi, Mum. How's it going? I'm here. What are you doing? I've never met anyone who loves books more than my mum. I don't think I fully appreciated it at the time, but looking back, my sisters and I were lucky enough to grow up surrounded by books. As an English teacher, my mum takes a passion for books and reading to another level. And she and my dad encouraged our reading at every step of the way. I wanted to find out how my mum was bitten by the reading bug and why she felt it was so important to pass it on. I suppose it is the way it makes me feel, the way it introduces me to another world. And I mean, I have to say a lot of it really started with sentiment. I mean, I I suppose it was my mum who gave me her love of books and even, in fact, gave me her books. And I still have one of my all-time favourites, a book called Anne of Green Gables. And I have my mother's own copy, which is dated 1926, which she received as a Sunday school prize. It tells the story of an orphan aged 11. And I remember reading it myself about eight or nine and thinking, 
it would be terrible to be an orphan. But if you were 11, maybe it would be all right because you'd be a big girl then. (laughs) (laughs) Really, from as far back as I can remember, it has absolutely been my favourite thing to do. Uh, And still is, to discover there's a brand new book sitting, waiting, and to dive into it and just start to discover the world inside the book. I remember you used to bring us loads of books home from the library and you really encouraged us to read when we were kids. Anytime we finished a book, there was another book lined up ready to go. Why is it that you thought it was so important that we should read and enjoy books? Particularly, I suppose, when you were young, which is, if you'll forgive me mentioning it, about 30 odd years ago, um, there weren't all the screens and other distractions and so books were a tremendous form of entertainment. That's one of the starting points, I suppose, but books open up a child's imagination to situations so different from their own. It shows them worlds that they haven't experienced yet. It teaches them to understand through other children's experiences things that they wouldn't know about otherwise. It can give them comfort and support if they discover that other children are having the same problems that they are and it just teaches them so many lessons as to why children should be doing it now. I think it is a tremendous way of bonding for parents and children or in my own experience now having seven grandchildren as a way of reaching out to them particularly at the moment when we can't see them face to face but we can read to them through FaceTime or through apps Leading them a story is a great way of bonding for grandparents and children or parents and children. Of course, as an English teacher, my mum was keen to point out the educational benefits too. But then, I mean, as well as that, as an English teacher, it is one of the most genuinely educational pastimes that any child can have. Teaching them all sorts of things like developing vocabulary, learning how to express ideas, gaining information. It just helps children in their schoolwork in a way that nothing else can. So we've established that reading to and with our children is an essential activity. But what's the best way of going about it? Here's Lucy back to give us some tips. You know, there's absolutely no right or wrong way to share a story. You know, start from the middle, start at the end, talk about the pictures. As long as you're having fun, you know, that's that's the main thing. You know, reading reading a story and sharing a book should be about that. It should be the joy of it in itself. And so many families do like to, you know, have that habit, that routine of when sharing a story together works. Something that we would have encouraged in Book Trust would be that bath, book, bed routine for babies. Just, you know, putting that into their bedtime as well. And that's just a really good time for them to know that oh right now it's time to get ready for bed and all of that but you know for some families you know maybe bedtime's not a great opportunity for perhaps more active children maybe settling down for a quiet relaxing time isn't a great opportunity for them to to share a story I would just say find a time that works for you maybe it's it's in the morning maybe it's in the middle of the day but just try and you know set aside 10 minutes is what we would recommend find somewhere cozy and comfortable let the child pick a book that they're interested in and then they'll be you know so much more interested if they've picked out the book themselves don't worry if they keep going back to the same book that's a good sign it's a sign that they've liked it you know snuggle up and and dive in and enjoy that time together the nighttime routine of reading a story before bed with my son is so cemented in now that he wouldn't let me get away without doing it he loves that time together and i have to say it's one of my favorite parts of the day too 
Days with a three-year-old, especially in lockdown, can be an emotional roller coaster of highs and lows, laughter and meltdowns. And the story time at the end of the day is a great opportunity to relax and repair any of the ruptures that happen throughout the day. I spoke to friend and colleague Kieran Trainer about his memories of reading to his twin boys, now aged 26. Oh, Roger, I have such fond memories of, of reading to my boys. Both boys loved stories and I suppose the, the memory of sort of bad times and cuddling up with them, you know, one either side of me because, you know, they're twins. So one one in each arm and holding the book in front of us and you know, them sort of snuggling into me and me reading them stories. It's just it's some of the warmest, fuzziest memories uh, I have of, of their childhood and it passes so quickly. But those are special moments that I think need to be cherished. And I think they enjoyed it too. And, and I suppose it was respite from the sort of busy times, you know, getting meals done, getting them ready for bed. And then then the, that sort of calm time before bedtime of, of reading. I mean, obviously did read to them during the day as well, but it's the bed times that sort of stick in my mind. And the, the stories often prompted other little stories from them about, you know, the people they met during the day and the difficulties they encountered. I have it in my mind that it also sort of taught them about problem solving and, and, and emotions and things like that, because we'd be reading through things and I'd be saying things like, so so what do you think happened next? And if he, if he falls off that cliff, what's going to happen? So you get them to sort of anticipate and problem solve. And for little boys also, a chance to, to sort of be emotional and express emotions and feel emotions through the story. I think that's that's... That, that's really important. And I think, you know, their love of reading and their love of learning and and engaging with the world, I think, comes from that. My sons are very curious and they're very interested in things and they're interested in learning stuff and, and experiencing new things. And I think part of that goes back to their childhood and part of that is is reading, reading stories. For Kieran, reading with his boys also offered another key benefit, dad bonding. As a dad, I think, a chance to bond with your kids. And, and for me, it was important to reattach with them because they would spend part part of the week with their mom and part of the week with me. And I always wanted to pack the time they had with me with lots of interesting and exciting things, you know, like doing stuff and building stuff and making stuff. And story time was quiet time. It was time to sort of relax back, chill and, and share each other's company. And that was fun. That was, that was great. I remember they went to steal my, my mom and dad one time and I got a phone call from my dad later on saying I'd set him up to fail. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, he was reading them a story at bedtime and the whole way through the story, they kept saying things like, that's not the way daddy reads it. He puts on voices. So, so my dad felt obliged to put on, vo- <laughs> on voices. And he said, the two boys kept looking at them as if his head was cut. Whenever we find out that our son Finn was going to be getting a little sister, After three years of exclusive attention from mummy and daddy, we were a bit apprehensive about how he would take it. We turned to books for help and found some great stories that introduced the topic of new siblings. As we read these to Finn, his little brain began to whir and lots of questions came out about sharing toys and sleeping arrangements and we had the chance to help him begin to process these before the new arrival came. As it happened, he took the baby Juno immediately. And besides a few wobbles along the way, they have been best friends ever since. I really do think that those stories helped the preparation process and laid the groundwork for the relationship today. Lucy from Book Trust pointed out that books can be used to address all sorts of topics with children. Books are a great way of, you know, introducing 
topics that might be a wee bit more delicate. And certainly there have been a wealth of books around the pandemic. I know that Julia Donaldson and Axel Scheffler have done a few different things recently about that, which I think have been very comforting to children because they've been put in a language and with characters that they know and love as well. So, you know, if the witch from Room in the Broom says to do this or, you know, the Gruffalo says it, then it's it's something a wee bit familiar and a bit more comforting for them. And currently Book Trust's writer in residence is Smitry Halls and she's got a lovely book out called Rain Before Rainbows. And, you know, the whole Rainbows for the NHS is, you know, has really been, you know, the symbol of, of this time. And it's a really beautiful book that's able to sort of explain that, yes, there's hard times, but then, you know, the rainbow comes and there's hope at the end of it. And I think, you know, books are a great way of explaining these themes and the illustrations are, are beautiful ways of expressing that as well. So, yeah, I definitely think books have a, a great part to play and and explaining these topics and these hard things to children in a way that they can understand and make them just that little bit more palatable. So if we're going through a particular issue as a family, books are a great tool to draw on when explaining things to our children. A useful resource is the book lists on the Book Trust website under various themes like mindfulness and emotional well-being, parental depression, starting school, all sorts of things. So that's definitely something to check out. At a certain stage, we will begin the transition from reading to our children to reading with them as they start to sound out words and read for themselves. This can be a challenging period when reading starts to enter the house as homework and reading with our children for pure pleasure can sometimes be pushed aside. As children start school for the first time, we know sometimes that the learning to read and you know the tasks from school can often be prioritized over reading for fun and I think sometimes families can then maybe stop that bedtime story or stop reading to their children once they are learning you know to read themselves we would say don't don't do that you know that bedtime magical story time or whenever it is that you choose to read doesn't just help children engage in stories you know as I said before it is so much more about that wonderful closeness and you know talking about the themes of the book whether it's about learning to be brave or starting adventures and things like that and we're really delighted that we have funding this year through our partnership with the Education Authority across Northern Ireland to provide a time to read pack for every child in primary one. We know it can be a bit difficult for families to find time to read and find that time together but we've designed time to read to encourage families to just explore books and to look through the pictures and to find just a really exciting story which is going to be funny and engage their children as well in the pack there's some hints and tips for families about how to read to your child and you know how there's no right or wrong way to do it how it can be done anytime and anywhere and just to encourage everyone to you know keep the joy of reading alive and just set aside those 10 minutes a day find somewhere cozy and find a book that everyone's going to enjoy and dive in and have some fun. I asked Kieran about his memories of his boys learning to read themselves and how he found this period. Yeah, I do remember them them learning. I also remember their mother giving off that they were pronouncing some of their vowels with a South Armagh accent that uh, that I had at the time. So yeah, I remember them learning and I remember the, the, the challenge with getting them to learn. They had very short concentration spans. They, I think they found it easier to learn with stories where there was action within the stories. You know, uh, 
they found it harder to learn from the from the reading books they got from school, which were a bit more passive and not particularly entertaining. So some of the books we had around the house, like the Dr. Zeus books, they enjoyed those a lot more than the school reading books. And uh, the words came a lot easier from those books than it did from the books from school. I'm glad they did learn because it opened so many doors and so many possibilities for them, you know, and... Uh, one of my sons in particular is a voracious reader. He reads constantly. And I think that love, you know, came from me reading to him and his mom reading to him and his stepmom reading to him. And then once he was able to learn himself reading with us and then reading himself, I think that that gives such independence and, and uh, opens a door to insights and adventures that you wouldn't get if you weren't able to read, you know? For some children, reading will come as more of a challenge. Whether it's through learning difficulties or dyslexia, the process of learning to read can be a tricky one. Thankfully, there are a number of tools that can be used to aid that process. There's lots of different tools out there and different publishers as well that would produce books specifically for children with some reading difficulties, particularly dyslexia. Book Trust would make sure that whenever we're producing packs for different schools or for different families that we would always include some books from Barrington Stoke on it. The books are always produced on opaque paper so that the words don't reflect quite as much and the lines are a little bit more spread apart and the words are a little bit more spread apart as well so it just makes it that little bit easier easier for any readers that have dyslexia or any other reading issues to be able to, to handle the book. And there's a huge selection available from them as well and some really great titles. Chapter 11. Charlie entered the store and laid the damp dollar bill on the counter. One wonka's whipple scrumptious fudge mallow delight, he said, remembering how much he had loved the one he had on his There are a number of books that I remember fondly from my childhood as really capturing my imagination, and many of them were written by Roald Dahl. Where else would you see words like snozcumber and squiffle rudder written in a sentence? He seemed to have a knack for writing stories that were hard to read without a smile on your face where good triumphed over evil and children triumphed over adults. And suddenly, from underneath the wrapper, there came a brilliant flash of gold. Charlie's heart stood still. It's a golden ticket! But as I grew older into my teens, I do remember books losing their appeal for a while as my interest turned to other pursuits. My mum still encouraged me to read and brought me books from the library, but my heart just wasn't in it. I asked my mum if she remembers this period. Yes, I think it's a very common thing, and probably particularly for boys, that at a certain stage they just lose interest in reading a bit. And then I think it's important that they just find some interest that they can still discover more about through the written word, even if it is magazines, textbooks that are related. Any sort of reading at all is useful. I mean, my own particular interest would be in novels, but not everybody has the same sort of reaction. Some people like science fiction books, some people like war books, detective stories, and then some people like factual books, more encyclopedic knowledge. So I don't think it matters what it is you're reading as long as you're gaining something from it. And I think it's a case then of just encouraging children to try different sorts of books, different writers, just through the different activities they're involved in. I may not love reading just as much as you do, but I still do enjoy it. And I still am reading, so you must have done something right. 
Well, I'm really glad to hear that. And I do think that people come to a real love of reading at different stages in their life. And it's something that if you have started it as a child and have good experience as a child, then you will want to pick it up at a time in your life when you have more time. So it is something you can do at all stages of your life. So as our children grow older, it's important that we continue to support them along their reading journey, perhaps getting creative during periods when a child loses interest a bit. Lucy reiterates the importance of pushing through and taking that next step along the reading journey. I think the key thing would be is just, you know, keep reading together just because your children are older and just because they are reading themselves. It doesn't mean that you you have to stop sharing stories. You know, maybe this is the chance then that you just, you get to share older books and older stories together and, you know, start delving into some series. And it's a great opportunity, you know, perhaps when people are getting older and, you know, they're maybe becoming a little bit more reluctant readers, which, you know, sometimes does happen. Do you encourage delving into the likes of, like, Harry Potter or How to Train Your Dragon and then you know if they, they like the first one then you know there's six more to go and that's just how to, to keep the love alive there and again there's a fantastic section on our website of what to read after so if you've really loved a particular series of book then there's you know well what to read after Harry Potter because you know there's maybe some lesser known series out there where similar themes and you know similar characters that is maybe just not quite as famous but your child will love it just as much. As we've discovered, there's lots of tools available to help us as parents support and encourage our children's reading. And I hope you feel inspired by this podcast, like I do, to keep reading with our kids as they grow and develop until one day, if they're lucky, they'll get to pass on the joy of reading to the next generation. I want to thank everyone who has contributed to this episode. And if you're a parent who would like support with your children's reading, do check out the Book Trust website, booktrust.org.uk. Or call us at Parentline about this or any other parenting issue on 0808 8020 400. Don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll catch you on the next one. Bye.